Roberto Sanchez was born in Mexico and came to the U.S. with his family at two and a half years old. He graduated from Florida Gulf Coast University with both a bachelor's degree in secondary education and a master's degree in educational leadership. He has lived in Clewiston, Florida since 2005. He taught at Clewiston High School and eventually became the principal in 2015. Most recently, Mr. Sanchez transitioned into the director of secondary education position within the Hendry County School District. His wife is also a principal in Hendry County, and he has three children, Adam, Emily, and Abigail. Mr. Sanchez, it's so good to have you here today. Yes, it's uh, great to be with you, uh, Tessa. I am really excited to talk about Hendry County. I know there are a lot of things going on out in the Hendry County School District and in the community, so hopefully it's going to be a good conversation. Yes, uh, glad to be here. There's lots of exciting things going on in Hendry County, and so I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share some of those this morning. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about Hendry County before we get started? Yeah, Hendry County is a, uh, Hendry County Schools is a uh, small rural school district. We have about 7,400 students. Uh, we are, uh, majority of our students are Hispanic, um, about 55%, uh, 20% uh, or so Caucasian, about 23% African American. Wow. So that's a, so a, a very small school district with a really diverse population of students. Very diverse, very diverse. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And then I know in Hendry County, it's the, there's uh, basically two big cities, or big for a rural community, which are Clewiston and LaBelle. About how far apart, how big is that? Yeah, uh, we have about a 30-mile uh, wide a span between LaBelle, which is closer to the Fort Myers area, and Cluiston, which is actually closer to the West Palm uh, Beach area. So that must be an interesting challenge, trying to create a cohesive school district with that much distance between. Yeah, that has been um, a challenge in the past. Um, one of the things that our new superintendent, Mr. Mike Swindle, has really tried to emphasize is collaboration between the two um, areas within our school district. And I think we're off to a, a really good start in, in that department. Yeah. Well, Mike Swindle is definitely a good collaborator. He's been part of Future Makers from the beginning. And actually, my very first podcast was with Mike. Oh, wow. Before nice. he was superintendent, but he was running <laughs> for superintendent. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to have him back. Yes, ma'am. Um, well, I, I'm, I always love talking about our rural communities here in Southwest Florida. And I think a lot of people are really interested in rural communities who don't live in them. Lots of really unique challenges and and really some opportunities that don't exist in, in more suburban and urban places. Um, but so before we jump in, though, why don't you tell me a little bit about your role in the Hendry County School District and then also sort of like what your career pathway has been? Because I think it's really interesting for people to kind of hear how people get to the position that they're in. Yes, yes. So uh, my current role is director of secondary education with the Hendry County School District. Uh, the way I got into education is really through, you know, I came to this country uh, as an immigrant. I was two and a half years old when my mom and dad brought me um, to California, actually, until I was about four or five, we moved to, to Florida. And so uh, working uh, as a child out in the fields, uh, my dad took me at a very young age uh, to go work in the orange fields and the watermelon fields and the tomato fields. 
Um, so he could instill in me, this was his theory was that, so I could see the importance of what it was like to get an education, right? And so from an early age, I knew like I had to go to college. I had to, because I saw college as like a way to change my trajectory in life. And so I ended up going to Florida Gulf Coast University. And when I got to college, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I had a passion for history. I've always loved history. I was, I, I was a fanatic of the History Channel from the time I was, I was an early, you know, you know, teenager. And so that led me to explore. And I said, you know what? You know, most people who go who love history end up becoming either like lawyers or going in to teach history. And so I took an intro to education course my sophomore year in college and I have you know, fallen in love with the, the, the career path. And also I met my uh, wife uh, during during that time. And so from that intro to education course, I found a lot of uh, really impactful faculty and staff at FGCU that really um, encouraged me to continue on with my education courses there and really just fell in love with the job when I began teaching at Clewiston High School in 2007. And uh, it's been a blast ever since then. Wow, so so I wanna break that down a little bit. Tom, where did you and your family immigrate from? So my, uh, my father and mother are both from Mexico, different states in Mexico. Um, I was born in El Salvador Querétaro and um, and so when we were about two and a half, when I was about two and a half years of age, my dad actually ended up getting a job in Los Angeles, California, um, as a uh, he was one of the uh, street vendors for the popsicles. Mm. So he would go around selling ice cream. And I'm yeah. sure you've seen people that sell ice cream out in the streets. Absolutely. And so that's what my dad did in, in Los Angeles. And that's how I, we came to this country um, uh, back in the, in the late 1980s. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Yes. Yes. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Okay. Did they also sort of get that education from your dad about how important it was to to sort of change your the trajectory of your life through education? Yes, yes, yes. You know, you know. I think my father, like many other parents, always wanted well, a brighter future, a better future for their own children, just like so many of our parents do. Um, and so, the way that he would communicate that with me is by putting me in situations that you know, required that development of work ethic, that development of, you know, this, if you want something better for yourself, uh, then you really need to study and you really need to go to school and take um, schooling uh, seriously. And I did. So did your siblings go to college? Uh, yes, my, uh, my sister um, ended up being a nurse. Hmm. And uh, my brother did not go to college. Um, he is in the workforce uh, trades. He ended up um, in a... Um, there's a company that produces roofing tiles mm. in in Arcadia, Florida. So he's you know he's in management in that. Great, mm -hmm. that sounds like your dad's sort of goal was achieved. Yes, ma'am. Do you think mm. that um, that is typical? That sort of um, that's that sort of way of showing you know here are your options in life, and and trying to get children to go you know to ed to to continue and complete their education is something that other students in hendry county are you know a part of their culture yes uh we have a lot of uh, migrant students in hendry county as well we have a lot of uh, folks um that work in we have a lot of our parents that work in the agricultural sector in, in hendry county uh we're a largely agricultural based economy in hendry county and so for um for a lot of our parents 
that is a way to show, to demonstrate um, to their students that, look, these are the sacrifices that I'm making for you. You need to take advantage of the opportunity that is bestowed upon you by these educators, by these teachers, and by the ability that you have to go to school every day and get, a, get an education and use education as a vehicle to move yourself forward in life. And so one of the things that I always try to hammer when I was a principal at, at Cluston High School was that the best way for you to honor your, the, the sacrifices that your mom and dad have committed for you to put you in a better place in life one day is to work really hard and have the mindset that you are going to take advantage of the opportunity. School is not something that happens to you. It's something that you make happen through the good choices and the good decisions that you make on a daily basis to take advantage of that opportunity that you have in this country. You know, the students are really lucky to have someone like you working in the school district who understands sort of what they're, what they're living with and what they're experiencing at home. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I, I tell them all the time, life is, is difficult. Um, it is a challenge. Um, you can only make it better through making good decisions and working really hard. Uh, I remember my days in high school. I had, at one point, I had three different jobs. Mm -hmm. And I went to high school. I was working at, at Domino's at a, a little Mexican grocery store called uh, Nocatee Market and also cash and carry at one time. So I, I had three jobs and was going to high school my junior year. In high school and so you know just from from a really early age i've seen how important it is just to work hard yeah. you know what i mean and working hard is something that requires no talent everyone can work hard it's just a choice that you make mm -hmm. everyone can show effort in the things that you do regardless of the things that you do you have the ability to make a choice to show effort and work hard at something regardless of your talent or ability level yeah that's a lot. Were you in Hendry County when you were in school? Uh, I grew up in Arcadia, Florida, Arcadia. actually. Yes, yes. I moved to Hendry County back in 2005. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, so it's interesting that you kind of distinguish work ethic as a choice versus a, a talent or a skill. Do you, do, you see or do you see challenges that students face that would make it you know, that are kind of pushing on that idea of how hard can you work? I mean, it seems like sometimes poverty puts us in a situation where it feels like it doesn't matter how hard you work, you can't get out of it. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, poverty does create a lot of negative inertia in, in a lot of our students' lives. Um, and so it does mold the mindset, you know, the environment that you grew up in, the kind of people you interact with does mold you. Um, a certain way, you know, it, it shapes the lens through which you see the world, you know, and that's why our job as educators is that much more critical because we know that we have students that are coming from very impoverished backgrounds that, you know, need that role model, need, they need that inspirational point in their lives, that reference point that say, you know, because that person, you know, did it and accomplished it and they pushed through and they were able to achieve something of significance in their lives, then I can do the same thing, you know, because I've always challenged my students to think of, you know, if, if they could do it, why not me? You know, why can't I be in, the, in, the, in that similar uh, pathway or trajectory in life? And so, uh, our work as educators becomes that much more important in order to motivate and spark the, you know, spark that that pathway for our students that are coming from those challenging backgrounds, yeah. impoverished backgrounds. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And that's why I said I think it's so fantastic to have people that have come from similar backgrounds working in the system because it helps people relate more. It's hard sometimes when you're in a really different situation from somebody else. And for them to tell you, you know, you need to choose to work hard and to feel like that person can't understand the challenges that you're facing. So I think it's fantastic that you're doing that. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about poverty and rural rural communities and, and migrant communities and really diverse communities, but I'm not sure everybody really understands what that mean, means. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that, that, that the students face? Yes. And so, you know, when we think of uh, poverty, oftentimes we think of, um, you know, financial um, struggles, right? But I think we need to really take a, a look further. We need to look at f uh, poverty in a deeper sense. And by that, I mean by the the um, the functionality of poverty and what it does to a student's ability to make good decision make make good decisions and so the way I like to view look look at it from a from a functional perspective is you know I look at it from there being two um, pathways that poverty takes you on and one is more of the functional poverty aspect and the other one is more of the dysfunctional poverty aspect and so um, I grew up in, in an impoverished home as well but I would view my background as a functional poverty uh, my mom and dad uh, worked um, there was not um, a lot of extra money for a lot of things in, in luxury or, or vacation trips or anything like that um, but I knew that Every day, as humble of a home that I had, I was going to go home every day and be able to sleep in my bed. And I knew that I was going to have uh, food to eat. My, my mom and dad prioritized the basic essentials in life. You know, having a place to, to call uh, home and having uh, food at our disposal. Um, they really prioritized the, 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 those, those two things. Um, and then we have... Um, folks a lot of our students come from what i would term as a dysfunctional poverty background in other words that not only do they have the financial constraints too that they don't have uh, the family doesn't have access you know to financial resources but they also are dealing with a lot of disordinance in their in their families um, a lot of our kids uh, may not have a mom and a dad to go to go home to uh, at night. They may be living with another relative. They may be living with a with a, an aunt, a grandmother. Uh, a lot of our students are, have dysfunctionality in terms of there's there's a changing place that they're living in um, from time to time, and so that creates a whole different set of challenges. So now not only are we talking about students coming from an environment where you know, they don't have those financial resources at their disposal, but they are coming from an environment that is very fluid, that is constantly uh, evolving um, and shifting. And so where they're living at today may be different than where they're living six months from, from now. Um, and we see a lot of that in terms of transient students, mm -hmm. you know, students that are, in, you know, enrolling, they'll go, they'll move somewhere else, they'll come back. And all those different shifts that you're making as a student does have an effect on you um, I through the grace of God and through my parents hard work I didn't have to you know move places in high school I where I began in Arcadia Florida is where I ended up you know mm -hmm. I started ninth grade at DeSoto County High School I finished and I graduated there four years later um, but um, some of our students don't have that that same uh, fortune yeah so it sounds like it's sort of a, a level of consistency and disruption right so if you're 
in functional poverty, you face a variety of challenges, but at least you have some consistency for the most part. Because I imagine, you know, we talk about, you know, I've read the United Way Alice Report, which is like asset limited income constrained um, employed. So these are people who are one emergency away from being homeless or losing everything, right? So that's probably more of the functional poverty, like you're making it work. It could be taken away, but you're making it work and you continue to prioritize the the essentials as you kind of described it. And then the second part is more of like this disruptive, there is no consistency. You never know where you're gonna end up. And it's not even just moving from house to house, it's potentially moving from community to community, school district to school district. Um, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way to, to describe it, that one version is a lot less disruptive versus the other one has a lot more disruption um, throughout yeah. the course. Yeah. So so when, you know, how, how do you all handle those situations when you come across them in the district? And so, you know, we have a, a wide array of different um, services. Of course, we have a truancy department that, that you know, helps us, assist us in, in tracking those students that, you know, because those students that are a lot more, that have a lot more of that disruption in their lives, we see different sets of challenges with those students, right? Those students are more likely to miss a significant higher number of days mm -hmm. versus students that are coming from more consistent uh, background, right? Uh, those students um, typically may not have the same type of role models at home that are talking to them about, you know, being on your best behavior, showing good discipline at school, right? They may not have a reference point in terms of how to solve conflict with other people, right? And so that presents a, 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 a greater need for additional counseling services, you know, additional services for conflict resolution, right? So not only are we needing to do more work in terms of trying to get those kids and making contact with those students to find a way to get them to school every day. But once we do have them in school, we need that additional mentoring. We need the, those additional counseling services in order to uh, bridge the gap, so to speak, up with those students. So, you know, one of the things I know about, because, I mean, I've worked with Hendry County for years, and it's one of my favorite places, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> is that you need uh, you have a lot of needs i mean every community does but but hendry county has some really unique um, traits and a lot of needs but funding tends to be a real challenge in our rural communities now i know that mr swindle really has stepped up the game and is very creative and innovative in the way that he does things but you know do you find that you have what you need to meet the students needs yeah, I think we do, um, you know, the best we can with the resources that we have. Mm -hmm. um, funding is one of those things that is beyond our control, unfortunately. Right. Um, we don't have the property tax base like some of our coastal regions have mm -hmm. that generates a lot of local funding for our public school system. And so, you know, we have to focus on the things that we can control, right? And the things that we can control is putting the absolute best people at the jobs that are critical and vital and making sure that those people have what we can possibly give them the the max extent to what we can possibly give them to get the job done yeah do you see big differences in the student population between Hendry and Clewiston or are there unique challenges at one place or another 
No, I think um, I think that we do have uh, similar challenges. Sorry, I meant LaBelle. Yeah, LaBelle yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. We do have similar challenges between uh, LaBelle and, and Clewiston. Uh, we have a, just a greater number of students probably in the LaBelle side versus the, the, the Clewiston side. Um, one of the things that, you know, we noticed a couple years ago um, is that our kids in LaBelle had just easier access per se to um, college courses. You know, we have Florida Southwest State College right right down the road from LaBelle High School. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that that um, the district did a couple years ago was to bring in a collegiate academy over on the Cluiston side, because if we're really going to change the trajectory of students lives and we have to equip them with the opportunities at their disposal to make those choices, to be able to go down the, the pathway of earning a college degree or earning a certification of some sort that will allow them to obtain a, um, a, a decent a job that they can sustain a family with, or equipping them with the mindset that's gonna prepare them to go out to the workforce or go into the military um, for, the, you know, that's always important. Yeah. And, um, and so a couple of years ago, we brought in, the, uh, the district brought in the Collegiate Academy over to the Clewiston side. And, and that Collegiate Academy is basically where the college comes to the high school and the professors come and teach um, college courses during the school day at Clewiston High School. And so our students do not have to leave anywhere. That's great. You know, they can come on the bus, they can leave on the bus, and in the middle, they can, and during, during the normal uh, school day, they're able to take those um, college courses and earn their AA degree before they finish high school. And so that has been an absolute magnificent um, addition to the work that has been taking place at Clewiston High School. We're very grateful for um, Director Amanda Lirian mm -hmm. at FSW for really spearheading that that effort, and also to uh, Mr. Jose Roquette, who's been the our administrator of the Collegiate Academy over at, at the Clewiston side for a couple years now. Yeah, I think sometimes we take for granted um, access, right? And so the reason why I asked you how far apart Clewiston and LaBelle are, I mean, it's Getting to a place in Hendry County, if you are, if you don't have a car or if you're sharing a car and a family, um, it is truly one of the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest barriers in Hendry County. I mean, I remember, you know, due to COVID, I haven't been out there as much, but I used to work in, we have a shared space um, at the Hendry EDC and I would work in that office and going to Clueston, I mean, like it, it's not a, it's not a quick drive to Clewiston like you have to be willing to get in the car for 30 minutes and 30 minutes back from Fort Myers I mean, we're in the same region it's like 72 miles from here to Clewiston and so the fact that Florida Southwestern State College is now offering that dual enrollment type setting in Clewiston is a huge deal I mean yeah. that's a huge deal I um you know I know that Hendry County has a situation possibly maybe like other rural communities where a lot of the skilled workers actually come in from outside of the area to fill those jobs and the people who live in the community are not really working in those more um, highly skilled jobs that require workforce credentials or, or degrees. Um, it sounds like this is a really great way to kind of help boost the ability to have workers within within the within the county. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to give you an example, we had 34 um, seniors this past year at Cooleston High School that graduated with an A degree. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, 34 out of a graduating class of, you know, approximately 220 mm-hmm. is a pretty, you know, significant number of students that um, have their A degree. And then we probably had another 15 or so that had at least one year of college, you know, that that are one year ahead of the game in terms of their college, um, you know. And the, the neat thing about the Collegiate Academy, too, is that um, at, at the Cooleston side, we have the ability for those students that graduate with their A degree from CHS, they're able to get a $5,000 a year scholarship to FGCU um, for an additional three years. So that scholarship is worth a, a maximum amount of $15,000 over the course of those three years. So a lot of our students end up combining that, that those $5,000 a year with other, you know, grants and other scholarships and, um, you know, have zero out-of-pocket costs in order to finish up their bachelor's degree at FGCU. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to kind of just sort of hear that there's, a, you know, the Collegiate Academy and be like, oh, that's great. But, I mean, that's life-changing. It is. It is because for a lot of our kids, you know, that don't have a background like myself. When I was in high school, I didn't have a background. There was there was no one that was talking to me about, you know, this is what it was like when I went to college in my family. Um, I was the first one in my family to go to college. And so for a lot of the kids that missed that reference point, you know, college was in the past some, you know, abstract conceptual thing that happened to you after you left Cluston High School, right? And to see it realize and to see it as part of your experience at, at the high school level mm-hmm. has been really life changing for many of our students. But also it's been really culturally changed. It's really changed the culture of Cluston High School and the Cluston community. I mean, we've got kids that are going to middle school and saying, I'm going to be a collegiate academy student one day when I get to Cluston High School, you know, because yeah. I want to take those college classes. I want to graduate my A degree, yeah. you know. And so um, that has really profound effects even for students coming into the ninth grade, right? Because we would always talk to them about, hey, the Collegiate Academy doesn't really begin in 11th grade. It really begins in ninth grade because mm-hmm. you've got to make the decisions and your actions now have to contribute to you being able to have that opportunity when you when you finish out your sophomore year, right? So you got to have the GPA. you got to make sure you read a lot because, you know, your, your reading scores, your writing scores, your math scores on those um, admissions tests are going to determine whether or not you're able to take advantage of this opportunity come come your junior year. Yeah, so it sounds like it's creating sort of a college-going culture. Absolutely. It really has, you know, helped us uh, make the change in the mindsets because I think uh, the most important thing or one of the most important things that we as educators have to do is change the mindset mm-hmm. of, of our students, right? Because if, if we can change the mindset that someone sees the world th- through and the way they process things, um, then the sky's the limit from that mm-hmm. point forward. But we've got to change the mindset. And one of the things that's really helped us change the mindset is is being able to say, look, you know, we're not preparing you to go to college when you graduate. I mean, we're trying to prepare you to go to college in two years, mm-hmm. your ninth grade and your sophomore year. And and you've got to take these AP courses. You've got to take these honors. You've got to ch- uh, challenge yourself with a rigorous course load in ninth and tenth grade so that you, when you're in the Collegiate Academy, not only do you get in, but you're you have those skills. Yeah. You can be successful. You have those habits of mind to be successful because getting to college is is not, you know, the goal. A third of the battle. Yes. (laughs) It's making sure that you are well prepared to be successful when you get to college or when you get to that career that you, um, you know, want to have. 
Yeah, and just think about these first few groups of students that are getting through and getting done the example that sets for the other students. Because I think a lot of times, you know, um, I was first gen too. And, you know, people have asked me, you know, why were you so determined to go to college? And I, it was my peers. My peer, I didn't have that in my in my household. So it was my peers. I had a very uh, strong peer group that was just determined to be college going. And I, you know, I figured it out um, because my mom, to no fault of her own, didn't know. She'd never been. So, you know, she was supportive, but she was like, you know, good luck, you know. Uh, (laughs) um, Let me know how I can help. And meanwhile, I don't know how I can help. But when you see, when you can see yourself in someone else that, you know, taking advantage of an opportunity and succeeding. I think it makes it just a tiny bit easier uh, to imagine yourself doing it and then to start to fulfill that, right? Because, you know, I was out in Clewiston High School um, several years ago. I came out and just spoke to a class about my own personal education and career experience, an AVID class. It was a great time. Awesome. And I have to say, um, it, it really... I didn't get the sense that a lot of them either knew what they wanted to do or were even really serious about considering continuing their education beyond um, beyond high school. And by serious, I mean, I think AVID is, AVID is amazing. Um, when I say serious, I mean some of their goals maybe weren't super realistic. Um, not that they're not capable of doing it, but it – they weren't doing the things necessarily in those moments to be able to achieve what they were what they were striving for. And I think the other problem that we have is, especially with, with our students in rural places, is there's a lack of economic diversity. And so you don't see a lot of the jobs that are available. And so then you're making decisions based on, you know, what you see on TV or what you see on YouTube. And maybe those things really aren't a good career pathway for you. And potentially they don't, even, they don't exist here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that um, it's really, it's a huge accomplishment to have this sort of, this opportunity to earn a degree in that setting. I think it, I think you're right. I mean, just logically from the outside, the ability to shift a culture by having something like that is enormous. Yes. yes and you're right. And, and um, we have to connect our actions today to the future goals that we strive for um, the day of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of our students, you know, um, they need help in terms of defining their goals, defining they have to have a vision for themselves of what they want to do and what they want to accomplish in life. And it's our job as educators to help define that vision for them, you know, because sometimes you have to believe it for somebody else before they can believe it for themselves. Yeah. Right. And so that work becomes when you when you, when you are working with um, students that are coming from backgrounds like your background, like my background, where they don't have those reference points per se at home. They don't have someone talking to them about this is what I did when I applied to college or this was my experience or 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 they don't have that, you know, supportive uh, network in their family to go to college or to, you know, matriculate into some type of post-secondary educational opportunity. It's our job as educators to really fill in that gap, mm-hmm. right, and, and and carve those pathways for students, get students to, to realize that if if I say I want to be a nurse after, you know, if I want to go to if I want to work as a nurse one day, 
then am I taking the appropriate math and science courses right now? And how am I performing those? Am I really prioritizing math and science, which is, are going to be critical um, in my first years in, in college uh, when I want to be a nurse? Yeah. So we've talked a lot about uh, degrees. How are you all sort of embracing opportunities to earn, you know, workforce credentials or certifications? Yeah, I think um, having a superintendent in Henry County that comes from the career and technical side has been um, uh, game changing for us because uh, Mr. Sundar really understands and prioritizes the value of equipping kids with the skill sets while they're in high school to be able to have a entry level job, you know, whether it's in welding, whether it's in mechanics and diesel mechanics, these are high in demand careers that, like you said earlier, uh, our local companies have to literally recruit from outside the county or even sometimes outside the state in order to bring in that talent that that have those those skill sets. Mm -hmm. So b being able to grow our own, develop our own from within at a really young age. Um, has been has been really uh, beneficial and helpful. Um, you know, it is a work in progress. Um, you know, but the fact that we are able to have a welding program, an adult education center there in Cluiston, mm -hmm. that is teaching kids things like diesel mechanics and welding. I mean, people are getting their six G certifications before they're you know graduating high school, mm -hmm. or or right soon right after, and are able to you know find a place of employment like U.S. Sugar. That is in you know you know in need of those yeah. types of uh, labors. Yeah. Well, and you all have air glades now too, right? Air so glades. You, the airport that's coming out there—that's going to change everything, especially in Cluiston. Yes. Yes. We're looking forward to that opportunity because I think that will be um, it, it will alter the landscape, the economic landscape of um, Hendry County on the Cluiston side, and possibly even on the LaBelle side too. Uh, with just the growth, um, the you know, hopefully it'll bring. You know, we talked about uh, the lack of economic diversity, but then hopefully it will diversify. Yeah. Something like that coming in, it will will really diversify our economy. Yeah. All right. So you know, I really like you know the whole future maker spirit is about collaboration, and there is you know this physical divide between LaBelle and Cluiston, and you mentioned that. Um, Mr. Swindle is working on sort of making it an umbrella sort of leadership over both as opposed to separate paths and separate visions. So can you talk to me a little bit about what's like a day in the life of your job and how's it going? So uh, a day in the life, it's ever changing. I think uh, that would be one way to describe it, ever changing. And it's very fluid, too. Um, so one of the things that Mr. Swindle tasked me as a director of secondary education and also Ms. Duncan, who's our uh, director of elementary education with is to really um, encourage and promote collaboration within uh, both sides of the county. Uh, I think in the past we've had a very competitive spirit um, between um, both sides of the county, um, but what we're seeing is a shift from a competitive spirit to one of collaboration, where if I'm doing something that's working well in my school on the LaBelle side, I'm eager to share that and showcase that to my colleagues in Cluiston, right, to my partners in, in Cluiston, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's one of our, our big initiatives is to spark that collaboration. But going back to your, to your question of, you know, what does a normal day uh, look like? Um, it could be anything from dealing with uh, parental complaints, 
to meetings where we're really targeted on what are the uh, improvement strategies that our schools are undertaking and in terms of academic improvements at, at our schools, um, doing uh, walkthroughs with principals in the classrooms, helping our, our principals navigate um, situations and issues that come up, whether they're HR related, uh, you know, whether it's a discipline related issue. Um, I'm, I also um, do a lot of work with both of our um, alternative academies mm. uh, in LaBelle and the Cluson side as well. So it just, there's a wide range of different activities that, that take place. Uh, my goal every day is to be in a building in one way, shape, or form. You know, I think that the important work takes place in the actual building, not from your office mm -hmm. in, you know, yeah, being at the sub face office. To face with people. Yes, yes. Walk, you know, being, being in the buildings, working with our principals, working with our um, other administrators, um, and helping them and being of service to them um, in whatever areas that I can help. Okay, so one of your strategies is to be out face-to-face -face with them in order to, uh, I guess, to, to build those relationships. What are, and also be, a, I, sort, I guess, the type of leader who is willing to help, right? Roll up your sleeves and help with things. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So um, what other things are you sort of thinking about doing or have you done to try to help with that sort of sharing and, and just sort of the change in mentality from more of a competition and the distance between two very different places to a more uh, unified district. Yeah, um, like in it, it's nothing uh, groundbreaking, but it's some sim simple things like, for example, uh, when we in the past, there was very limited opportunities for administrators to collaborate with other ministries. And by that, I mean, for administrators, to go to another school within the same county and see the work that is taking place in the classrooms and provide feedback to that administrator and to be part of the think tank that thinks of, okay, this is what we saw. These are the trends that we saw when we visited the classrooms. And let me help you create an action plan of things that will help benefit your school to move it in the right direction. And so one of the, one of the big initiatives that we did this past semester was began the work of doing um, a learning walks. So it, the idea comes from the medical world where you see doctors visit different patients and mm -hmm. so they'll, they'll do what's called you know, um, you know, rounds, mm -hmm. right? And so they'll go into a patient's room and all, you'll see six, eight doctors collaborating about the, the issues that the patient's facing and they put their, their thought patterns together and their mental energy together and they come up with uh, some way to help that patient, right? Um, some kind of improvement plan for that patient, right? And so the, the, the way that we translate that over to education is as administrators, right? We walk into a classroom together as a group and we see the, the, the things that students are doing in the classroom and the work that is taking place and whether it's aligned to what students really need to be um, learning and doing. And then we come back after we visit those classrooms and we, we're not necessarily specifically focused on the teacher per se. We're focused more on trends that we're seeing mm. across the, the multiple different classrooms that we visited that mm -hmm. day. And then we come back and we collaborate and get together our thoughts on these are the things that, you know, if we're seeing limited student talk, these are the things, these are the action steps that you can take to try to help um, improve 
the frequency of student talk in the classroom, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's professional development trainings to teachers, whether it's a webinar that they have to attend, you know, different things that the administrators can do to provide that coaching and support to their teachers yeah. at the site level. And so being able to, to, to bring administrators from LaBelle Middle School over to Clueless Middle School and do learning walks there and vice versa, being mm -hmm. able to bring the principal and the AP at LaBelle High School and begin to foster that relationship with the Clueston principal and the Clueston AP and do those walks together. Mm -hmm. You know, we're beginning to, you know, bring down those 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 walls yeah. and we're beginning to bridge that gap that had existed for, for, for a multiple number of years there prior to this semester. I bet they have more in common than they thought they did. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We have, we have That's a lot always more how it is. And it's all it's mm. never rocket science either. So I completely understand and get that. So um, can you tell me what is something that has that you've seen an improvement in or that you've gotten good feedback on since with this idea of collaborating? Um, I think all our all the feedback that I've gotten from uh, our, our administrators that have engaged in this work has been positive. I think they appreciate just the time to talk mm. and share and discuss and sometimes our administrators just need that space like someone needs to spark yeah. that that space that space and opportunity for them to be able to just you know talk about similar challenges because you're absolutely right they are facing similar challenges and it's really nice to be able to to get together with your colleague at the labelle side and say look i had this situation you know what do you think about it you know and and allow that other person to help you navigate or share some thoughts that yeah. may be a benefit to you yeah it's like a more supportive environment i think a lot of times from students we even hear that they feel like teachers are kind of on their own right and they don't get a lot of support this is a student perception based on things i've heard in the student summit um, but it sounds like this, you know, sort of peer-to-peer -peer learning has the opportunity to provide additional supports to teachers and administrators and hopefully solve, solve problems more quickly. Yes, yes. And, and you begin to develop that network as a, as a building-level administrator that you can go and you can talk to. If I'm a dean of discipline and I've got a, a discipline situation at Clueless Middle School, I can pick up the phone and call my colleague over at LaBelle Middle School because you know someone is, is sparking that collaboration mm -hmm. they're providing those opportunities for us to get together as a cadre of deans of discipline countywide or as a cadre of APs or as a cadre of principals mm -hmm. district-wide and so um, that's been really uh, positive you know we've seen a lot of positive traction in that direction and and we are absolutely committed to making sure that 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 positive traction continues mm -hmm. uh, next school year and beyond yeah so um, last question what's one of your what's one thing that you would really like to accomplish in this position is there some metric that you want to move or is there something in your mind sort of your vision of like once you do that you're going to be like yes i really i really was able to do what i wanted to do yeah i think um uh, ultimately is all about student success right um and so you know my ultimate goal is to is to, is to help you know, right be part of the team that really moves our district academically forward, right? Our goal, um, Mr. Swindle has said this multiple times, is to be a B school district, mm -hmm. to be a B school district where all our schools are A's and B's because if, if, if the performance is indicative of the type of learning that is taking place in the classrooms, right? And if we can promote a better learning environment in each, in each um, classroom, um, then our students are going to be better for it. Mm -hmm. All right, they're going to have more doors open to them, 
um, when they graduate high school than they would if, if otherwise the reverse was happening, right? And so ultimately my goal is to help be part of the team that really promotes that positive um, academic growth. We see more kids going to college. We see more kids have, have a different mindset, an improved, more positive mindset. They're mentally tough and they're prepared and well-rounded in their experiences at the secondary level to take on life itself, you know, yeah. and college and careers and all that. So, yeah. well, that is a great goal. And, you know, uh, future makers, I'm here to support in any way that I can. Always excited to have an opportunity to visit Hendry County. Absolutely. You um, have an open invitation. Yeah. Tessa, and anytime. then also um, to have you all, you know, to have time with you all to just sort of hear what's going on and, and hear about your successes. And I have to say, I'm really excited about the future for Hendry County right now, maybe more than I ever have been. I've seen a little bit of the numbers from our upcoming uh, annual report and Hendry County stands out in more than one place for making moving the needle in some pretty significant areas. So I'm super thankful for you. I'm thankful for your partnership. I'm thankful that you spent this time with me this morning. And um, I look forward to chatting again. Yeah, nothing but gratitude for you, Tessa, and the partnership and the collaboration. And we look forward to continuing that um, in, the years, in the years ahead. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you.